listening to the Birds on Power Lines podcast. Thank you for joining us. This episode is our fourth and final one discussing the Doctor Who 60th anniversary special. In case you missed our other podcasts on this topic, we started right after watching the final part, The Giggle, and got so carried away with it that we ended up breaking with convention and decided to discuss the three parts of the 60th anniversary special in reverse order. If you can, we'd love it if you listen to the other three podcasts, two covering the giggle and the third on Wild Blue Yonder. So in this podcast, we are talking about the Star Beast. All three episodes gave us a lot to think about. We hope you enjoyed them as much as we did. I think this is really funny because I didn't even know it was called the Star Beast at first. I mean, I knew, but when I was thinking back on it and thinking about doing this with you, I kept calling it the Meek, right? And and I guess it's because they made such a point of, you know, the Meek. That's how I like to be referred to. And uh, so I was just thinking that this is just called the Meek. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I, I had a riot watching this with you because for you, this was sort of your your first experience with Doctor Who, right? It's it was it was actually pretty funny to 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 do this with you, and uh, I really enjoyed that part, right? Uh, and I, I thought it was really funny because at the beginning when you you saw the meat, right, you reacted just like the Doctor. Oh, isn't he cute? You know, aren't they cute? And and <laughs> and I warned you, right? I warned you. It was like turn out to be the the, the monster which is exactly why I was scared of Doctor Who when I was I was little. It was just always so creepy and it always would, would throw me for a loop. And when I was little, I was just not into that, right? Um, but I, I thought this really was a great start to, to the special because it, it did really introduce people to things in that way. And it also explained things to bring people up to speed. And it introduced new ideas, right? I, I mean, I didn't know about the unit, right? And then there was new characters added in that. And then at the same time, there was like all this comedy right, with the doctor and the packages and seeing Donna and that neighbor kid who kept watching stuff from his window and, and seeing all this stuff happening. That was just, it was funny. And plus like, oh, I just loved, loved, loved the scene where the doctor makes that, those sliding glass panes to protect the nobles. So there was so much uh, in terms of effects there that, that he did with the, with the sonic screwdriver. That I just, I really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, let's get talking about this episode. I mean, technically, that wasn't my like first um, first ever experience with Doctor Who because I know like maybe like four or five ish years ago, um, I think I saw like on TV they were playing some old rerun with some like weird moving mannequins and like I don't know there was something about like lightning and the London Eye and something like that. I have no idea which series that was from. But um, that technically was my first interaction with Doctor Who. But yeah, in terms of real, like, real authentic um, interaction with the whole, like, concept of Doctor Who, yeah, that was definitely a first for me. And I mean, since I am, like, probably I'm older than you were when you first, like, encountered Doctor Who, I do have I did have a little bit more of an idea of what to expect which probably 
uh, probably probably helped me and also like because I already am I'm old enough to know that I do like these kinds of things but I also think that the the star beast was probably the most like it was it was it was like kind of like a, a very like soft um opening of like this whole world of doctor who for people who didn't necessarily or weren't necessarily into the fandom before because like like you said it did give like a good kind of a good general gist of what the series is the entire franchise is like but at the same time it wasn't like full-on hardcore like doctor who like the other two specials it was a little bit more lighthearted and also probably more than a little bit of fan service because of course like we already know that like everyone loves david tennant's doctor number 10 and donna they loved their whole friendship and everything they had going on with each other and that that this episode probably definitely played into that even more so than the other two i think but it, it was just very, very, <laughs> it was, it was, it was an experience that was, that's definitely true. I did not know you'd already seen some of Doctor Who. I'm wondering where was I when you were doing that? Anyways, I looked up that episode with the eye because I was curious what you had seen. And I came up with an episode called Rose with the Ninth Doctor. And apparently that was when they actually first met. And ironically, that was also written by Russell T. Davies. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what you were watching. Um, curiously, though, Rose extends into the 10th Doctor, as we know. And I, I remember we were discussing that. Um, you know, if, if when there's a new Doctor, if the companion is always changing. Um, so all I can say to that is, and you know what it's going to be, Barcelona. Yeah, I saw that on a weekend, like, a few years back, but I think you were probably busy or something. I really, I don't know if that's the one that I saw, but it's, it's good to know that, like, the switchover between the Doctors and the Companions doesn't, like, always happen at the exact same time. Like, because I think that kind of, that the Companions, they kind of serve as, like, a bridge between Doctors so that, like, the fandom doesn't always get thrown through a loop when a new Doctor, like, regenerates. But I also think that's why, like, Donna as a companion just, like, worked so well and why so many people love her. Because, like, she's not there for the whole run, but, like, I think that kind of enabled her to grow beyond her identity as someone who just, like, travels with the Doctor. And we especially see that in, like, these three episodes when she comes back. Like, how much she's grown. And, like, I can, I can only imagine how much more, like, impactful that would have been if we'd seen her, like, when her run with Ten was airing. And I was also thinking about your hardcore comment. Um, and I think that, that with the Star Beast not being as, as hardcore as other ones, uh, that probably disappointed a lot of people who love to hate and poop on other people's fun. But uh, anyways... Believe me, I'm familiar with that kind of feeling of smug superiority that, you know, Uber fans have. Um, not with Doctor Who, though, but that would be uh, going back to when I was younger and, you know, me reading The Lord of the Rings 13 times in high school. And then, you know, I got to be a young adult and I ran across this whole Harry Potter nonsense, right? And I was 
totally not going to listen to or watch or, or read any Harry Potter because this was all a bunch of people who had no idea what fantasy was. And uh, I just thought that it was just nonsense. But yeah, I changed my mind. Harry Potter's great. And smugness just limits your enjoyment. And that's all I have to say about very smug Doctor Who uber fans that think that they're better than everyone else. But, you know, haters gotta hate. Honestly, for me, like I said in um, the, the Wild Blue Yonder, actually, my one of my favorite scenes was when um, Donna and the Doctor were kind of separated by that clear panel of of glass like I don't really know what it is that I like about these kinds of scenes where like two two groups of people or two people are separated but they can still see each other I just like I just find that whole like concept very like very fascinating like the whole interaction they have with each other because like they can see each other but they can't like really get to each other and I feel like both this scene in the Star Beast and the one in Wild Blue Yonder with the the doctor and Donna and then the not doctor and not Donna. Um, both of those I thought kind of very were cinematic parallels, I I guess that would be the right term. And I just thought it was very interesting how like of course like Russell T. Davies is the showrunner for both for all three of them really, but I just thought it was interesting how he kind of used that same technique again, but in a totally different way. And yeah, I agree. I really missed a lot at the beginning. And I know when we watched it again, you were like, mom, didn't you catch that? And I'm like, yeah, because I was just so excited about watching this with you for the first time that I just completely wasn't really paying attention. So it was good to go back and look. And, and you know, your observation or your, your correlation with that scene when they're separated with the glass that was really an interesting observation. I did not even catch that. But, you know, that really was his first time to freak out, right? Already in the Star Beast. And, you know, that really was now reflecting on it, sort of setting up the whole thing about him not wanting to lose somebody and especially not Donna. And um, in this time, he, he would know that he was losing her for good this time because he kind of already lost her when he erased her memory, right, to save her. And yeah, I never really caught that, that parallel with the other episodes. So that, that was a really good call on you. Good observing. Honestly, I feel like the scene that kind of helps me really get my bearings the most was um, right around the end when like they were showing like the different like creations that Rose had made and how they like paralleled different like Doctor Who creatures. Um, in this universe and like I mean like I knew about a few of them beforehand but like I think really just like seeing which ones they specifically like use like the Daleks and etc um which which um creatures they kind of chose to include I thought it was interesting because like I guess they, they were kind of the most both famous and I guess important as well to the whole like plot line of the entire arc of Doctor Who but I think that also was very uh, I think it was a, I also like the I also liked the scene the making of the soft toys uh by Rose right and and like because she was never I mean I guess she has the doctor's memories 
you know, but she's sort of the child of Donna. And anyways, I, I was thinking like, I guess they're talking about genetic memory there. And, you know, I'm really interested in that kind of topic. Um, but yeah, I thought, that, I thought that was really an interesting thing. And I, I'm, I'm half expecting that uh, the monster toys are going to show up in the Disney store at any time. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just joking. But um, yeah, you never know, right? What I think is kind of funny, though, is that he loves the loves the nobles and Donnas particularly a lot, but they're actually pretty mean to him, especially the Dr. Donna, right? And, and how she was blaming him for her weakness, you know, wanting to help people and giving up all of her money. You know, it's just like, I was trying to be more like you, you know, like, oh, I felt so bad about that. You know, making fun of him, you know, being, you know, such a kind and giving person and and, and doing things like that. I, I, I was totally not prepared for that, but I guess it's because I'm not as familiar with, you know, all the people that have been watching Donna's interaction with, with the doctor for, for years. And then another thing I started thinking about, and this got me looking, um, so I'm just going to geek out with you on on music because I know that's what you like. So I looked up uh, the composer for uh, the latest theme, and his name is Murray Gold. And apparently, he's been composing for the Doctor uh, for the Doctor Who since 2005, and he works a lot with Russell T Davies. So it looks like with music, as with acting. Um, that you get yourself in a group and you can kind of know who your friends are and you keep working with them. So I, I found that really interesting. So the, it's not just a spillover with the writing and the acting, but also with the music. And then still reflecting on the, the episode after watching it again. And, and, you know, I guess now at this point, we've looked at what other people are saying because we, we've done this backwards, right? Um, you know, so and I'm just going to very briefly broach the elephant in the room, right? And and that's the inclusiveness of the doctor, right? And 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 how the Doctor Who series is pushing boundaries. And you know, here we have uh, a trans character. We've got uh, a character in a wheelchair and having her have access to the TARDIS. All of this inclusiveness, and and you know, and and, and people are, are complaining about it, right? You know, but I, I, the interesting thing is, is that you're also dealing with a biracial marriage. And, and this is going to sound weird probably to you, but when I was young, when I was your age, you wouldn't see that. And, and the one thing that nobody talks about now is the biracial marriage. So I have great hope, great, great hope that when you're my age, all of the things you just saw in Doctor Who in, in the Star Beast and all the things that were brought up that seem to be antagonizing people, you know, when you're my age, these things might never be a big deal anymore like they are right now. So that's all I want to say about the elephant in the room. I, I know we just have to say something. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, and I just think this is part of the evolution of the doctor. And you know, we know that the doctor is male and female. And, and you know, this is where we're going with this. And this is really important for bringing in the new audience and yeah, I, I, yeah, we needed to say something about the elephant in the room. And, and I mean, that's all I need to say. I mean, you're so right. I didn't even think about Donna's marriage because I guess that's just because I'm so much like younger than you are and like familiar. I mean, I'm more familiar with people who are like mixed race because it's much more common now, as we know. But I mean, yeah, you're right. We can only wait and see how like if the, the rest of that will 
go the same way. Um, but I do think that it is, at least I think what they're trying to do is they are trying to actively like expand the audience as we're entering into this next era of Doctor Who. And then also reviewing things and catching things, right? I, we, I and now caught up on some of the one-liners that they were, that they were being thrown out by the doctor. Um, like when he was talking to the meep and he was talking about the ship and that was the ship was called the delusion of grandeur. Uh, or he was telling the meat that uh, the meat as a species was uh, a victim of fashion. Um, and, and like all these little little things. Oh yes, the other one that, that was really funny was the slap. And, and I, that didn't mean anything to me at that time because I hadn't I wasn't familiar with all of this. But this is a throwback to other mothers of other companions that regularly slapped the doctor. So that was sort of a callback to that. And I, I thought it was funny, but I didn't know the history behind it. So this was kind of a nice thing about watching this episode again. And then listening to you reflect on what you thought was your favorite scene. I think there's two things in addition to that, because I, I love that scene as well, right? Um, that whole thing with the, the glass separating. Um, and the doctor freaking out. Um, but I think two scenes that, that I really liked, and there was other ones, but ones that came to mind while you were discussing that, um, was the trial scene in the, in the garage. It's just like the, the total bizarreness of it. The doctor pulling out the wig and putting it on and then invoking protocols and, and then slowly putting all the pieces together that we were watching him, you know, observe, you know, prior to that. And then, the, the irony of the scary insect beings being the good guys and the cute little thing being the evil, the evil monster, right? So I just, I just love the pacing on that and the humor in there and just, just how that whole thing was done. So it was just like, to me, that was like, you know, for my experience of Doctor Who, that, that <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed that. But the, the other thing that really struck a chord, like you were saying with the, the, pane of glass and being separated was right at the end before Donna just destroyed the TARDIS with the coffee and the, and the doctor just repeating over and over again that it killed you know, he says it killed me it killed me referring to when he had to leave her behind and, and have, her, have her forget him right and then her reply asking him to visit and stay like why do you have to keep running why can't you just come back? You're a time lord. You can come back. You know, and it, it really, to me, that was very, very touching. So there's those two scenes, like the, the one total, you know, thing in the, in the parking garage being total Doctor Who and then shifting to this other very poignant scene where he's trying to open up to her and let, him, let her know how he's thinking or how he's feeling and how difficult that is for him, right? Because... You know, like we were talking before about how he's always running. And I had no idea about the meaning behind that slap when he got slapped. I thought the whole here we go again thing was in reference to like the doctor being thrown into crazy chaotic situations. I didn't know there was that backstory, but really um, that's that's so much better, actually. But I liked so much of the humor in this episode because it's just it, it's silly and it's goofy and it's just fun. But also like the humor and really just the entire episode is able to be both humorous and like really witty witty and cutting and just like really really deep and like 
almost like a holding up a mirror to the real world some of the things and issues and problems that we see in the real world in this single episode and i think that's really speaking to the direction that i think this new era of doctor who is going to go in great I, I think we're both on the same page on this i think we both are pretty excited about how things are going to go with doctor who and i think we both are up all in i guess so yeah let's watch this christmas special i think we've waited long enough to get ready to watch this so i'm looking forward to watching that with you i think it will be fun to you know now experience this new doctor and uh kind of go in with everything fresh so yeah i'm really excited Thank you for listening to the Birds on Powerlines podcast on The Star Beast. And if you could, our entire series of podcasts on the Doctor Who 60th anniversary special. As always, please let us know what you thought. Next, we plan to finally watch the 15th Doctor in the 2023 Doctor Who Christmas special. Yes, we've been holding off on watching that until we finish talking about the 60th anniversary special but we have been carefully avoiding any materials discussing the Christmas special so that we could watch it with fresh eyes. We will more than likely be podcasting on it, and hopefully you'll look forward to catching that. On a different topic, we also plan to watch the Netflix series on All the Light We Cannot See. We're huge fans of the book, and so far we've only watched a little bit of the first episode. We'll more than likely be podcasting on that series as well. So, until next time, Thank you for being part of the Birds on Power Lines podcast.